Welcome to Quantum Magazine Science Podcast. Each week, we bring you stories about developments in science and mathematics. This week, astronomers have found a strange galaxy that's 99.99% dark matter. The Coma Cluster contains more than 1,000 galaxies, and somewhere in that massive clump of matter is at least one galaxy, and maybe hundreds that shouldn't exist. Dragonfly 44 is a dim galaxy with one star for every hundred in our Milky Way, but it's as large and almost as heavy as our own galaxy. That odd combination is crucial. Dragonfly 44 is so dark, so fluffy, and so heavy that some astronomers believe it will either a force us to rethink theories of galaxy formation, or b help us understand dark matter, the mysterious stuff that interacts with normal matter through gravity and not much else, or both a and b. This discovery happened almost by accident. Astronomers Peter van Duckham and Roberto Abraham were interested in testing theories of how galaxies form. They wanted to search for objects that have been invisible to even the most advanced telescopes, faint, wispy, and extended objects in the sky. So their team built the Dragonfly Telephoto Array, a collection of modified Canon lenses that focus light onto commercial camera sensors. This setup cut down on any scattered light inside the system that might hide a dim object. The plan was to study the faint borders of nearby galaxies, but the Coma Cluster called. This clump of matter 300 million light-years away inspired astronomer Fritz Wicke's hunch that such a thing as dark matter might exist. Abraham says partway through, they just couldn't resist looking at Coma. One could say that this discovery happened because of a lack of discipline. They decided to study the Coma Cluster's intracluster light, the faint glow of loose stars floating between the cluster's galaxies. Instead, they found 47 faint smudges that wouldn't go away. These smudges seemed to have diameters roughly the same size as the Milky Way, but according to commonly accepted models of galaxy formation, anything that big shouldn't be so dim. In these theories, clumps of dark matter seed the universe with light. First, clouds of dark matter blend into relatively dense dark matter halos. Then, drawn by the halo's gravity, gas and pieces of other galaxies collect at the center. They spin out into a disk and collapse into glowing stars, which we can see with telescopes. The whole process seems to be fairly predictable for big galaxies like the Milky Way. Measuring either a galaxy's dark matter halo or its stars, you should be able to predict one by measuring the other. Jeremiah Ostreicher, an astrophysicist at Columbia, says it's not just dogma. There are no exceptions that we know of. After Abraham and Van Duckham realized that they appeared to be looking at 47 exceptions, they searched the literature. They found that similar fuzzy blobs have been on the verge of discovery since the 1970s. Van Duckham thinks astronomy's transition from photographic plates to modern digital sensors made them hard to recognize. Photographic plates may have been better suited to picking up extended, diffuse objects in the sky. Abraham and Van Duckham first noticed their smudges in the spring of 2014. Since then, similar ultra-diffuse galaxies, or UDGs, have been discovered in other galaxy groupings like the Virgo and Fornax clusters. 
and one study suggested that in the coma cluster, there may be a thousand more of them, including 332 about as large as the Milky Way. Meanwhile, the Dragonfly team has been arguing that these new dim galaxies really are oddballs that challenge current theory. They say they're failed galaxies. Dark matter introduced spiral disks and stars, but somehow the glowing star structure didn't grow. That argument has convinced outside experts like Ostriker. He thinks Van Deckham's record is highly credible. There are many people who could have discovered this that he'd be more skeptical of, he says. Not everyone is convinced. Some astronomers argue that while these UDGs may be large, they're not necessarily massive. One idea is that UDGs might be lightweight galaxies. They may look puffy because they're being torn apart by gravitational tides from the rest of the coma cluster. Michelle Collins, an astronomer at the University of Surrey, says that the only other place they've seen things that extreme or more so are a handful of galaxies around the local group. These are the small, dim, dwarf galaxies that frequently orbit larger galaxies, such as our Milky Way. Collins adds that they're all galaxies that are currently being ripped apart. That would make most UDGs just large dwarf galaxies in the process of being ripped to shreds. Another possibility hinges on the idea that galaxies can breathe. At the end of 2015, Karim El-Badri, at the time an undergrad at Yale, proposed that galaxies can swell out and then collapse in size by over a factor of two. In this process, the breathing in happens when gas falls into the galaxy, forming massive stars. The breathing out happens when the stars quickly end their lives in supernova explosions that blast the gas outside the galaxy. The gas eventually cools and gravity pulls it back toward the galactic center. In a lone galaxy, this rhythm can continue endlessly, but in the harsh environment of the coma cluster, hot gas fills the space between galaxies. After a galaxy exhales, the gas could be stripped away, leaving the whole galaxy stuck in a puffy state. Harvard astrophysicists Nicola Amorisco and Avi Loeb suggested another interpretation in March of 2016. They proposed that UDGs are ordinary galaxies that are just spinning fast. Loeb says in their scenario, it's very natural. That idea piggybacks on standard theories of galaxy formation, where gas pours into a dark matter halo to build a galaxy. As the material falls, it begins to rotate. The amount of rotation determines the size of the final galaxy. Without much spin, gravity pulls the galaxy into a compact shape. But galaxies that get a big rotational push can spin themselves out into large, lightweight disks. According to this model, UDGs could be natural examples of the fastest spinners. If so, their stretched-out disks wouldn't be dense enough to form as many stars as a slower rotator like the Milky Way. This would explain why they look so faint. According to Abraham, these ideas may well explain some of the UDG populations. He says this is probably going to evolve into a mixed bag of things. But according to his team's latest data from dozens of hours with the 10-meter Keck 2 telescope in Hawaii, there is no evidence that the Dragonfly 44 galaxy is rotating. They argue that the total mass of the galaxy is around a trillion suns. That's massive enough to prevent it being ripped apart like a dwarf galaxy and heavier than the galaxy's thought to periodically puff up. That mass measurement is the real sticking point, says Philip Hopkins, a theoretical astrophysicist at Caltech who is preparing several papers on UDGs. 
It comes from two observations of different parts of Dragonfly 44. First, the motions of stars in the galaxy's inner regions suggest that the area is massive, filled with dark matter. Second, the outskirts of the galaxy are home to a number of globular clusters, tight ancient balls of stars. Observations show that the more globular clusters a galaxy has, the higher the mass of its dark matter halo. Dragonfly 44 has Milky Way-level clusters. Other UDGs seem to have lots of globular clusters too. Even if these UDGs don't have heavy dark matter halos, researchers will have to explain why they have many more globular clusters than they should. Hopkins says something's weird about these galaxies, but either way, they're really cool. The team earned precious time on the Hubble Space Telescope to study Dragonfly 44's globular clusters. Abraham says the thing he finds hilarious is that they're using humanity's most powerful telescope to follow up on a bunch of telephoto lenses. But to fully understand the relationship between dark matter and the globular clusters, they have to measure the motions of the clusters. And for that, they'll need to wait until 2018 when the James Webb Space Telescope launches. They're also looking to find and characterize more Dragonfly 44s, preferably a few located outside of a cluster and closer to us. It's an open question if they exist elsewhere, and if so, what form they take. Harvard astrophysicist Avi Loeb says the way to resolve if UDGs are what he argues they are would be to find them outside of clusters of galaxies and see how they look there. They found a few possibilities, Van Duckham said, and now they're following up with Keck and Hubble. For theorists like Ostreicher, that's an exciting idea. Current dark matter theories make different predictions about the distribution of the universe's missing mass. If the motion of stars in a galaxy like Dragonfly 44 can be studied up close, it would be a make-or-break test for these theories. The leading theory, called cold dark matter, suggests dark matter should surge at the heart of a galaxy. Right now, though, the dark matter-dominated galaxies we can study are nearby dwarf galaxies, and they don't have that trait. Ostreicher says these little galaxies don't show many of the properties dark matter is supposed to have, but he says scientists explain it by saying we don't really know how these things were formed anyway and change the subject. By contrast, an otherwise normal but dark Milky Way would eliminate that loophole. In the universe's other Milky Way-sized galaxies, stars and gas can outweigh dark matter in the central regions by a factor of 5 to 1. That makes disentangling the gravitational pull of dark matter alone tricky. But the center of Dragonfly 44's disk is 98% dark matter. That means a map of its central mass would give us a new view of dark matter's properties, Ostreicher says. The best way to understand UDGs isn't clear yet, Abraham said, but hopefully at least some of the ideas now being proposed will last through the next few years of observations. In astronomy, it's still valid to be just an explorer, says Abraham, and in Dragonfly's case, they're like Leif Erikson. It's like they've been on this ship for months and suddenly somebody says, land ho, but it's not on the map. For more of this story, read Joshua Sokol's full article, Strange Dark Galaxy Puzzles Astrophysicists, on our website. Up next, Tracy Slatyer searches for dark matter's hidden light.
Make it, shake it, break it. That's the motto of dark matter detectives, including Tracy Slatyer, a theoretical physicist at MIT. We don't know what kinds of particles are responsible for dark matter, the missing mass that outweighs the universe's normal matter by a factor of five. We don't know how big they are or how they behave, but there are three possible paths to finding out. First, we can hope to make them in accelerators like the Large Hadron Collider, or LHC. Second, we can try to sense them as they collide with and shake standard model particles in sensitive direct detection experiments. Or third, we could check them as they wreck themselves. This is the method Slatyer focuses on, watching through telescopes as they crash together or decay out in space, producing a faint luminous signal. So far, researchers have drawn a blank. The LHC has failed to make new particles beyond the Higgs boson. Direct detection experiments also haven't picked up a definite signal. And astronomical searches for dark matter haven't returned any hard evidence of its identity. Yet, many scientists, including Slatyer, point out the sheer number of telescopes observing the cosmos. These make it more feasible for astrophysicists to do broad searches for many different types of dark matter particles. Slatyr's career demonstrates how the new era of open-source astrophysics data allows early career researchers to make important discoveries, even if they wouldn't ordinarily be able to secure observing time on a big telescope. In 2009, NASA's gamma-ray-sensitive Fermi telescope released its data to the public. Shortly afterwards, observers including Slatyer, pointed out two locations where extra gamma rays were being produced. One was at the very core of the Milky Way and another just around it. This is exactly the kind of signal that dark matter might produce. Colliding dark matter particles could give off electrons and positrons. These could accelerate nearby photons to gamma ray energies. The gamma rays would appear to come from a thick dark matter cloud that astronomers could infer separately from gravitational evidence. The connection would be clear. In 2010, Slatyer, then a graduate student at Harvard, along with two others, showed that the gamma-ray haze around the center of the Milky Way was not a diffuse cloud, but two massive bubbles of plasma. These are linked to the black hole at the center of the galaxy, structures now named the Fermi Bubbles. Then, in 2015, Slatyer was part of a team that argued that the gamma-ray excess in the galactic center itself may not have been caused by dark matter. Instead, they may have been caused by a previously unknown population of faint, mysterious astrophysical objects, probably pulsars. Here's Slatyer talking about why she's never disappointed when she's looking for dark matter and finds something else. Now, I have a bit of a past history of doing dark matter searches in astrophysical and cosmological data sets and finding signals which initially look like there might be a signal of dark matter physics but turn out to be telling us something very interesting about the astrophysics of our galaxy. And people have asked me, well, are you disappointed that you didn't find dark matter in this search? I guess I feel that whenever you learn something like this, the universe is telling you something amazing about itself. You've just learned something that nobody in the world has ever understood before. And in those circumstances, it feels a little bit ungrateful to complain that, no, the really cool thing I just learned was not the cool thing that I wanted to learn. It's something else. So, you know, of course, I'd be happy if we discovered dark matter 
but if we just keep doing better and better dark matter searches and we keep learning more and more about the fascinating history of our galaxy and the astrophysics of our galaxy and our local cosmos, I'll be okay with that. For more on Slatyer's research, read Joshua Sokol's full interview with her, A Seeker of Dark Matter's Hidden Light, on our website. I'm Karen Chikurji. For news, interviews, graphics, and more, visit quantummagazine.org.